Hey there, welcome to episode 37 of the Let's Innovate for Vegas audio program. I am your host, Managing Director of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation, a Nevada nonprofit, public charity, 501c3 determination, just over one year ago. Today, speaking of years, uh, today is November 2nd, 2023. It is late in the evening. It is, uh, my voice is failing. <laughs> I may be extra raspy. We'll see. The allergies of Vegas are strong. Will I be stronger? Good question. Today we are talking about the mysteriously named Project Act. Project Act was conceived before the great rug pill of uh, 2023, which I'm sure you have not heard about. Maybe you have, but you probably have not. Uh, Perpetrated by the likes of Code for America. We set out one year ago, approximately, to, without knowing that this was going to happen, to assist other cohorts uh, similar to, at the time, Code for Vegas, Code for Vegas Foundation, which was a reboot of Code for Vegas. Uh, We rebooted it as an independent organization, and we hoped to help others do the same if they wanted to become independent. With the benefit of hindsight and uh, a sense of the current state of affairs, it uh, it is transforming or migrating to something else with the same acronym. There are a couple of show notes to peruse if you're bored. Uh, I'm sorry, show notes with the links, the links to peruse. One of them is from the CFAWorkersUnited.com website. It is an article from September 11th. You can leave the uh, relationship with that date to your own devices. Uh, It's about Code for America layoffs and some other changes. The the way Code for America is moving forward is a little strange. Not for me to be concerned with too much because, and I'll get to this uh, further down, it's not something we've touched on too much, but I will I will touch on it a little bit more than we have to date. Uh, the Alliance of Civic Technologists, a website link, civictechnologists.org, and uh, a link that probably will not quite work If you click on it on Friday, uh, November 3rd, I literally just got the domain name. We've, uh, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, project-act.info, it will actually not be, it will be an info website. It will probably be much more about the the autonomous cohort tessellation data that we capture, but I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Hang on, hang on. So let's get started. Autonomous cohorts. So we were... Code for Vegas. Before my time, I was I had just relocated to Las Vegas from Silicon Valley. I met Sean Looker and Ryan Quinn at the Work in Progress co-work space in the garage. I had heard Sean Looker's name, Looker, as in he's quite a looker. We've had him on this podcast. Why? Because he is one of our directors on our board of directors. So at the time, he was the co-founder, co-captain with Ryan Haven't heard from Ryan, so Sean, still around in Tennessee, I believe. Uh, At the time, he was a Zappos employee, and he was helping to drive the Code for Vegas. I don't think they were using the word brigade at the time, but they were part of Code for America. They basically were driving the open data efforts in collaboration with the city of Las Vegas. That open data goes on today. We'll talk more about that at some point. Uh, Hopefully, our open data capture platform will take shape and will continue that legacy. Either way, Code for Vegas at the time, uh, Sean and Ryan working on these projects. It was definitely Code for America. I don't believe it was a the same infrastructure configuration. I don't know if they were using the word brigade. The agreements, the MOUs, the the technical details were not the same as they would become over the years. At some point, I think it was in 2016, uh, Ryan and Sean were relocating away from the greater Vegas area, out of state. There was was a person who kind of disappeared, so I don't want to say who he was just yet, but it's not a secret. I'm just not exactly sure if, because he does other things. He was interested in taking on the continuation effort when Sean and... uh, Ryan were departing. That didn't really come together. So Code for Vegas formally shut down. Fast forward to January of 2022. 
uh, David Kim and myself had a discussion with Mary Norris, a name you will have heard already and will hear again, <laughs> regarding our desire to reboot Code for Vegas. We had a, a Zoom call. I had a Zoom call with some of the Code for Hawaii people who were driving brigade development, brigade onboarding to, to brigade relations, who knows, uh, who they also lived in Hawaii. So I attended a virtual meetup, Code for Hawaii, Hoi, Hoi. My roommates in college are from Hawaii, so I'm probably not saying it right. I used to be able to say it more correctly. So we had a, a Zoom call. I had some questions about how to reboot. My background included a lot of hackathons from being at Intel. I was somewhat eager to get started just some doing some outreach, try to take advantage of the anyone who is still around of the meetup.com group for Code for Vegas. We registered the domain name, codeforvegas.org. There was a reimagining at the time, and I was told that it would take a while for us to go through that onboarding process until they figured out what their reimagining would be. That's capital R, capital I, so you know it's a good idea. They didn't drop a vowel. Maybe that was one of the problems, and being my usual self. So we purchased the domain name, like I said, and then we eventually started planning events, and we were told that we could not use the name. So right away there was a tension. So we started pondering being an independent organization. So we figured one of the things we could do, and I think I even have some emails about this. One of the things we could do is form our own nonprofit. I had done that before. If I ever talk about food trucks, owners association. So Nevada nonprofit is frightfully easy to file and to form. Costs a hundred dollars, fifty dollar filing fee, fifty dollar list fee. Renew for $50 annually. Piece of cake. So we formed the Code for Vegas Foundation. The intent was to be an independent uh, partner organization, I think it was, which was one of the options that was available in a document I read from Code for America regarding brigade relations. So this made sense. We'll form a nonprofit. We'll start moving forward. We will ponder... If we don't actually become a part of Code for America as a fiscal sponsor, we can file our paperwork 1023EZ with the IRS and become a 501c3. So in our discussions, we, well, they basically stopped. So we went ahead with our filing and I believe we received our determination letter on October 12, 2022. So just over a year ago, probably five days later, we received a, a letter sent to my home from Code for America, not our statutory address, which is publicly visible. Can you say vendetta? So uh, I was told I was uh, irrationally exuberant or overly enthusiastic or something. So they did not want us using the name. And uh, they were being quite silly about it. So I pushed back. We received a cease and desist letter from the attorneys of Code for America. I pushed back on them. We even had a... Uh, a ridiculous situation that I will not get into with a local attorney here in Greater Vegas. This is Greater Vegas. Never forget that. A bar complaint would have been appropriate. Anyway, so I uh, pushed back on this uh, attorney. We did not follow their uh, draconian instructions. But at the same time, we were considering the fact that most people were confusing code for Vegas with, well, if I'm not a coder, then I'm not welcome. So we had already been tossing this around because the greater Vegas area includes a focus on innovation. There's an innovation district within the city of Las Vegas administrative boundaries. We were having our hackathons in the innovation center downtown. Thank you, Don Jacobson. And innovation is just a more generic or general word to apply to creativity, invention, doing new things, thinking outside the box. It doesn't have to be tech. In fact, a lot of cool things are not. You can be tech adjacent, that's fine, but there's no need to be uh, excluded for not having a laptop and a can of Red Bull in your hand ready to stay up for two days. We don't really do that anyway. Well, sometimes. But anyway, the, uh, the notion was then to rename ourselves, which we have paperwork with the IRS uh, to be filed with our 990N. There's some slight annoyance there. The government infrastructure is still the government infrastructure. Some things must be filed in written form and mailed. Other things must be filed electronically. There is no combining those. 
They must be done in the correct order. Yeah. So uh, renamed Innovate for Vegas Foundation. Uh, if, by the way, you want to donate some money to our cause for the moment, we are for the last vestigial uh, fintech, EINs, and so on. Code for Vegas until our 990 and name change goes through the, the machinery. So, but we did rename uh, officially with State of Nevada. So we are a Nevada nonprofit corporation called Innovate for Vegas Foundation. So a year ago in October, though, right around this time, I was hearing that the Code for Vegas, as an independent organization, was leading some people in other brigades that were part of Code for America. Remember, we were not. We never were invited back into the uh, the castle, the Crystal Palace. So rumor has it there was a, why does Code for Vegas get to be independent? Uh, grumbling going on. This may or may not have upset some people, ruffled some feathers, as the saying goes, which may or may not have led to those... Uh, written word exchanges about ceasing and desisting, changing our name and so on. So to be clear, we changed our name to accommodate our local innovators to be more inclusive. Uh, I was more than happy to argue with Code for America, although later it would turn out that it's a bigger argument than I would have uh, guessed. Anyway, so right around that time, Mary Norris, who has since in the interim joined our board of directors, so Sean, Mary, and myself, our, our very small, lean, and effective board of directors for the Innovate for Vegas Foundation, Mary and I were having a discussion a year ago. Uh, how come Code for Vegas gets to do this? And I said, we should help other brigades uh, become independent. It's not really that hard. So me being me, I wanted to come up with a cool acronym. So Project ACT version one was born. I created a repo on... Uh, GitHub, created a little icon with a little broken chain, and uh, autonomous cohort transformation was the goal. So helping people become autonomous, self-directed, not being given projects to work on by paid employees of a draconian organization, et cetera, et cetera. So it was around October 2022, around the same time as our IRS public charity determination and cease and desist from Code for America, and our decision to rename. So all these things, very uh, busy month, October 2022. So um, we wanted to help and support with our moral and uh, experiential inputs, uh, the brigades who wanted to do what we had done. Uh, and I say technically Code for Vegas shut down, Code for Vegas Foundation started as an independent entity. So it would not necessarily have been identical, but something like that. So the Autonomous Cohort Transformation Effort. Uh, in early 2023, Code for America decided to sunset their brigade program. Surprise! Many brigades were left to their own devices, which was unfortunate. Um, Code for America is a fiscal sponsor of these organizations. When they stop doing that, you are no longer entitled to tax-deductible donations and other benefits. Um Turns out if you're a public charity, if you're a 501c3, you get a lot of things that are quote unquote free for nonprofits. When you read that, they are telling you specifically 501c3, even though they are, they're implying it, they should be explicit about it. But technically, that's what they mean. So uh, any nonprofit, hey, we're a 501c6 business league, or hey, we're a 501c4, put it, nope, 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 no, you get no free stuff. So free Google Workspace, free discounted, free Canva, free Google team, other discounts, et cetera. There's a ton of stuff if you're a 501c3. So when the fiscal sponsorship goes, so goes any sort of free or discount benefits that go along with that. And since Code for America was paying for Slack and Google Workspace, from what I understand, for many of these organizations, all that goes away. Uh, in addition, they wanted everybody to leave their names behind. So if you're Code for Philly or Code for Hawaii or wherever you are, uh, you can go now, but leave your name. So if you've developed a following, a presence in your local communities or on the national stage, you don't get to keep that. Um, due to the nature of the beast, it is what it is. I uh, believe that people were signing MOUs at some point, that the name had to fit their requirements, that they retained the rights to those names, hack for, code for, etc. So you must leave your name at the door when you leave. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. 
project participation and interface to municipal partners. Uh, if you were working on uh, reimagining 911, I think it was, the child tax credit application for Puerto Rico, there are many more. There are some programs to uh, seal records for cannabis convictions, and there's a, there's a number of things. And they are good projects, and they are probably at larger scale than community, so city or county or even state, maybe working across multiple states. So they were intricate projects that having a single point of contact made sense, of course. Um, the nature of the beast, as they say. Procurement is the name of the game when it comes to government agencies and the government itself. So losing that means that cohorts, not brigades anymore, cohorts are sort of on their own. Well, that's what we're doing anyway. So again, there are a couple things that we can start talking about as far as our efforts, hence autonomous cohort transformation. Uh, the rogue pull got delayed until the end of 2023, but guess what? We are almost at the end of 2023. There's an ACT organization, the Alliance of Civic Technologists. I mentioned their website, civictechnologists.org, linked in the show notes. They have a Discord server. Uh, they have a cool red, white, and blue star logo, ACT, and they are discussing forming a top-down infrastructure to migrate brigades to, I don't know what they'll call their organizations into the future, but you know, cohorts to be able to be fiscally sponsored or to enable a nonprofit and 501c3 charity status in some way and perhaps get other discounts and so on. There's a, there's a committee or a board. They are pursuing these things en masse with multiple steering participants uh, leads, local leads of different cohorts, captains, and so on. We, on the other hand, are bottom up. Uh, one of the things that I found somewhat offensive about Code for America, there's a tweet somewhere, perhaps. Do those even exist anymore? I reached out to the CMO of Code for America when I saw a press release about the child tax credit platform, program, web app that had been launched, and it mentioned some people at Code for America and did not mention by name, the volunteers who had worked on it. Now, something we had discovered early on in our interactions with Code for America, uh, Code for America had paid employees, employees of Code for America, giving program management, project management, direction in general, to unpaid volunteers. So this, I found this to be somewhat problematic, but in the name of coordinating collaboration, okay. Arguably, the Code for America organization is paying for or enabling the function of a local brigade. Volunteer time is still gold. I didn't really feel that they were fully appreciating that, but what did I know? We were not part of it, so we we're outside looking in. But I asked, why was there not a... Uh, or Actually, I asked, how do we find out who the volunteers were? Why are they not named? And the response, uh, if it's not still up there, I will always remember it. I think I have a screenshot of it somewhere. It's not a big surprise, and it's not overly controversial. It was that they don't really keep track of the individual volunteers because they come and go, and that if I were to email the person at Code for America, that they would get me a list eventually, words to that effect. And so the problem with that is that volunteers get very little else. They must be uh, recipients of full attribution because... If I would like to uh, express my gratitude in whatever form, financial, <laughs> maybe a job, hey, I want to hire the team that built this. Who are they? If the answer is we don't know, <laughs> that is the wrong answer. So I think in the long term, this is a good thing for the brigades, but that's my opinion. Probably unpopular for now. We'll see. In the meantime, our bottom-up approach is to be independent, autonomous cohort. That's us. For the moment, it's more me than us. <laughs> um, this is a problem I'll touch on towards the end, is participation. So the thought occurred to me, uh, hey, Mary, we, we should do Project ACT again. I already have the icon. So we can talk about transformation. Maybe some cohorts, maybe some organizations won't want to be part of the uh, civic technologists for whatever reason. Maybe they just want to go independent. Who knows? So we can still look in that direction, maybe provide some not legal advice, not tax advice, 
not meaningful advice, merely opinions. But more interesting to me, what if instead of a top-down central planning infrastructure, a la Code for America, what if the individual organizations in different geographical areas could tackle problems near them in their communities? That's what we were doing. And by the way, our purpose statement, very complicated. (laughs) Our purpose on our paperwork filed with the state and the IRS to enable and encourage ideation, innovation, and implementation to make our communities better. That's it. Could be anything. Could be an app. Could be a stew. Could be a tune. Could be a cool poster. Could be anything. Making our communities better. So if any cohort anywhere, organization, I'm going to use the word cohort. It's my favorite. Cadre, org, group, gackle. If they want to work on projects around their communities to work on maybe organizing how people engage with their city council or their city staff or meetups or safe sidewalks or our open transit project, for example. Some projects are highly focused on issues, gaps, problems that we each see around us, seeing ourselves or hearing about it from uh, friends, family, colleagues, neighbors. So working on projects around us uh, makes sense. If you're going to volunteer your time, ideally you will see some return on that. And if the organization you were volunteering for before wasn't going to give you credit, hopefully if you help your communities with your efforts, your communities are made up of people who recognize that, maybe will recognize you and will reward that time with appreciation by name, possibly financial, possibly employment, who knows. But the fact is, uh, volunteer time should be treated like gold, should receive as much sunlight as possible. That's how gold is shiny, right? Transparent attribution is the name of the day. So we get to decide that, not a central planning organization in another place uh, making decisions on our behalf. So the bottom-up approach to me makes a lot of sense in this regard. Our reach is smaller, but our self-determinism is stronger and I think more valuable. As a volunteer organization, we are not trying to make money. We're trying to uh, enable local innovation by our local innovators. We're trying to make our communities better. As I said, we're trying to think locally. So if we are bottom-up, we're autonomous, and we work independently, but we also don't have enough volunteers that are willing to participate initially or to return and continue participation on projects, what are we going to do? Well... In my brief travels over the last six months or so, I've began to hear similar stories from other organizations around the United States. Anecdotal, no real stats, but there seems to be a combination of things. One, maybe post-pandemic malaise, maybe job market weirdness, inflation, economy, uh, global strife of late, which I'm not making light of, but I mean, there's a lot of things going on and they don't always enable the free time that one needs to properly focus on and give time over to volunteer projects. So could be, could be something, could be something we survey people about. The other thing is with the cohorts, with the brigades, I'm sorry, with the brigades being shut down when this news came in early 2023, in addition to Code for America layoffs, which just happened uh, September 11th, as I said, or early early September, late August, early September, the article posted was September 11th, linked in the show notes. So that's specifically a demoralizing act, right? Like, uh, we're not going to be supportive of you anymore. Good luck. Don't let the door hit you. Oh, by the way, leave your name, leave your name and badge on the desk. I'm going to leave your, yeah, your organization name. So uh, not only are we turning our backs on you, but you don't even get to keep the stuff you were working on per se. Uh, ownership of projects, if they're open source, hopefully that's not too big an issue, although license transfer is an issue, which is one reason why we do a not uncommon practice. We have copyright projects, components, uh, you know, creative works that are contributed to our projects. The parts that are contributed are uh, copyrights and other licensing are assigned, license rights are assigned to Innovate for Vegas Foundation, not to some organization that could disappear. Plans change, unfortunately, but the closer to home, the better, I think. 
uh, not every foundation has your best interests. Uh, Code for America Labs might be one of those things. So bottom up, we retain our own self-determinism. The challenge is we are limited to the resources at hand. We, I don't really have enough hats or heads to proactively engage local, super local, like county or state, or extra local, like outside of Nevada at the, at the interstate or even federal level or even beyond. I wouldn't want, mind working with the moon. Mars is too far. But we don't necessarily have the resources, the manpower, person power, the, um, the reach, the engagement to develop projects, nor do we have the people to work on them. So that's sort of a self-correcting issue for the moment. But as I mentioned, I've been talking to people around the country, as has Mary, and it seems that this is not a problem only enjoyed here in Vegas. So the idea was this. Suppose, especially as these brigades become not brigades this year, later this year and into 2024 and beyond, they become independent organizations or they become a part of the ACT, the Civic Technologists, Alliance of Civic Technologists. I don't know if I was saying that correctly earlier. Alliance of Civic Technologists. So they're part of that, or maybe not. Maybe they just stay independent. That also does not help get projects or uh, volunteer collaboration. It might help get projects, but if you don't have people to work on them, it doesn't really matter. So if you, and this is the problem with central planning, right? You cannot possibly know what every person on the ground is uh, experiencing in their local economy. And the economy in this case, including not only the typical economic components, but the people, the time that those people might want to contribute to volunteer efforts, the need for oversight, et cetera, et cetera. So the autonomous cohort tessellation component enters the picture. A tessellation is a mosaic. See, it has a T, so didn't have to change the act. The mosaic of participating cohorts, autonomous, around the country. Uh, so ideally, the Alliance of Civic Technologists will not encumber their organization to prevent this. That would be unfortunate if they did. I don't know if they will. I doubt it. So if you are a organization in Fresno or Sacramento or Miami or Memphis or Philadelphia, who knows, Tennessee, anywhere, and you have one or two people that are regularly volunteering for projects, you can be autonomous. You can determine your own destiny. It's difficult to accomplish things with one or two people, but it can be done. And if you're a nonprofit and you don't have a lot of expenses, you probably don't need a lot of money. So that's good too. That's our situation. However, imagine if you could make use of projects like the Democracy Lab Project Catalog, publish your project, and have other people find it. Well, there's a small problem with that, and I'm not denigrating this effort on democracylab.org. I should put a link in the show notes. I guess I will. Very useful. However, you should be able to, and this occurred to me when I was working with, um, well, I've talked to Mary all the time, Mary C. Norris, and her organization, Open Fresno, had a question about integrating a library of image classification for their Trash AI project. So they had one issue. They weren't asking someone to join the project. They were asking for someone to look at this one thing, to integrate this one component into the project. So how do you find the one or two people who are in some other state, United States state, not mental state? How do you engage with them? Or how do they discover you if they were to say, hmm, I have some expertise in integrating that library with, in, for those uses. I could probably help with that. Now, if they only saw the Trash AI project, they may not immediately think, oh, they probably could use my help with this one integration issue, literally issue. I don't really have the time to commit to another project. I don't want to join another project. I don't want to take the time to read about that project. But if I knew that they had this one issue that I could actually help with because I've already done this, maybe I could do that. So the tessellation of autonomous cohorts could, as part of it, be a, publish, a publication and discovery scheme of issues in addition to projects, in addition to organizations and people. So it's a superset of a project catalog. As it happens, Hacktoberfest 2023, the 10th year in a row, just ended. 
it was something I wanted to participate in. However, this was further inspiration. I have to admit I was too busy. We were wrapping up the Space Apps Challenge participation, and it occurred to me, you can't really, if, if, if Actoberfest is intended to bring people to the table of open source project development contribution, which is great, it's hard for people who are maintaining or working on open source projects already to contribute to other people's projects. Not impossible, but now you only have a month. Otherwise, you know, come November 1st, oh, it's not Hacktoberfest anymore. So to me, I think it sends a weird message in general, right? Again, not diminishing the the positive outcomes and the messaging and all that, but another message that could be sent and underscored and, uh, you know, red pen, a couple of underlines is uh, not just October. <laughs> so I did propose, though, that by way of introduction, people in soon-to-be former brigades could participate in Hacktoberfest and work on projects that are in flight in other soon-to-be former brigades. This would be sort of a test run at engaging with other brigades at the project, I'm sorry, at the issue level. So if you look at how Hacktoberfest works, you tag your project to, to participate. You know, So if you have a repository on GitHub or GitLab or however you enter the, the, the 31-day catalog, you can actually say, here are the issues that you work on, a good first issue. There's a, there's a kind of a de facto standard of sorts on GitHub, at least, to, to point people to, uh, hey, if you, know, you want to contribute to this project and you're just getting started, start here, that kind of thing. So that's sort of baked in is the, the notion that you don't have to join this project and go through the whole rigmarole. You don't have to become a part of Integrate, uh, Integrate Innovate for Vegas Foundation. You can just do a pull request or similar. People think it's code, but uh, I think Hacktoberfest did a good job this year of underscoring that any contributions of any kind, it could be testing, could be documentation, could be a number of things, uh, all valuable, all essential. Anyone who thinks uh, real projects are code only has has probably been uh, having an awful experience in the world. So they were extending their uh, welcome to more than just coders, which is great. So mm, I was going to attempt to drive this like hey we could this could be sort of a dry run to collaborate across the tessellation and it didn't really get any traction whatsoever so i realized at that point that a a little bit more effort would have to go into it and this would not it would not give me much time to participate in hacktoberfest this year as a contributor so i feel bad but i cannot feel bad for long because i work on open source projects all the time so here we are moving forward there are as it turns out plenty of tools, legacy and new, that would make this possible. I'm not going to say easy, but would certainly enable. So the internet was designed from the ground up to be a decentralized communications channel, resilient to attack. It was designed and implemented by and for the Defense Department, DARPA, the Defense uh, Advanced Projects Research Association, I think it is, RAND, all those people. So the, the notion was to distribute the communication network around so that it had multiple points of failure. DNS is one of them, certainly. <laughs> but the decentralized nature of the internet was baked in from the beginning. Uh, the semantic web, some of which, some pieces of which are still in use today, includes things like DOPE. I don't know how you pronounce it, DOAP. The description of a project. It's a reasonably straightforward uh, resource description framework, RDF. Uh, structure that can be expressed in XML or JSON-LD. You can describe your project, description of a project. It's right there in the name. So now you can have one file. You can you can certainly parse a GitHub repo and get the description and, and uh, the readme and stuff, but you have a semantically uh, defined, extensible, but a semantically machine-readable document that you can read, capture, locate, discover, and figure out what projects are where. And one of the uh, uh, elements of a RDF dope file, I think it's bug-database in XML form, probably others. Bug database, where's the bug database? Or issue, I think it's issue, I think it's bug database or maybe it's issues, but uh, homepage, where to browse projects. And there, there's all sorts of slots that you can fill in so that once I know where your project is, and the nice thing is that dope.rdf is the typical name, can also be placed on your homepage of your website if you have one. 
So it need not be a GitHub code project. It could be a GitHub project or a repo. It could be a GitLab. It could be BitKeeper. It could be on your website. It could be anywhere. Your project may be files in a Google Drive. It could be in an S3 bucket. It could be a Figma project. But you can publish the DOAP doap file to point to these things or to at least let people know where they are. If you have a Figma project that nobody knows about, is it part of a larger project or at least something you could have a dope structure wrapped in XML published on your website so people could at least know you're working on something? Yes. And then you look at FOF, another one, I don't know how to pronounce that, friend of a friend. It allows you to publish information about you or more appropriately in this case, your organization, your autonomous cohort, and link to others. See also, see, you know, friend of a friend. So if for example, if Innovate for Vegas publishes a FOF, FOF, .rdf file on our homepage, and we point to ourselves, obviously, and then to Open Fresno and Code for Sac, Code for Sacramento, point to their homepages or their GitHub repo, organization, top-level repo, hopefully their homepages. So if we point to them and they point to us and then they point to some others, and we point to our projects so that you can figure out what we're working on, and then the projects point to the issues, and then the issues are tagged with some well-known, this needs help. You know, this is a open issue for public collaboration. So if we actually did all that stuff, it's not really much more than we're already doing. We use a discoverable infrastructure that already exists. It's been around for decades, literally. Probably the semantic web should make a comeback in some form. And in fact, schema.org uses JSON-LD, not too dissimilar does have a sort of a semantic web feel to it. So something to think about. So if we have these well-known files, well-known file names, we have them in easy to find places next to or adjacent next to or somewhere uh, you know linked from homepages and GitHub and GitLab repos and so on. And we develop a spider, a robot to flip through the internet, starting at Innovate for Vegas, for example, and then, oh, look, go to Code for Sack. Oh, now go to Open Fresno. Oh, now go to other organizations. And then along the way, oh, what, what are they working on? Oh, okay, here's a collection of project repositories, and here are their issue databases, and let's flip through those issues real quick. Which ones are open and uh, open for public you know, collaboration? So we'll use some well-known tagging scheme. Maybe that could be something we add to the dope, although no real need to. Maybe, maybe. I'll have to check into that. So now... The discovery of projects is basically left to each autonomous cohort to publish their information about their organization, the organizations that are their quote-unquote friends, so like a web ring, anybody from GeoCities days, so like a web ring that interconnects everyone, rather than saying uh, everybody has to join this Discord or this Slack or this Matrix or this mailing list or whatever, you have your autonomous website. You can use these well-known formats and tools. You can develop our own. So these are the old ways. We can have mailing lists. We can have, you know, GitHub is okay, especially if you're a public charity. You get free teams here. GitLab, Bicky probably said, you can host your own. So we can use all these tools that are readily available. Some are old, some are new. And now suppose we have this collection of organizations and projects and open issues that need help. And I have some free time this Friday. I've finished publishing my podcasts and I'm knowledgeable on how to integrate a image classification library for the purposes of classifying uh, trash. If only I knew of an open issue in a project going on right now amongst my peers that I could, uh, hmm, I don't really want to go searching through a thousand open GitHub issues. If only machine learning or artificial intelligence tools were sufficiently advanced to enable that to happen for me. If only. Do you see where I'm going? So our autonomous cohort tessellation could literally be a machine-readable map of the civic volunteer world working on projects, blocked perhaps by a shortage of uh, resources, quote-unquote resources. We don't have enough volunteers in Vegas or Fresno or wherever but if we had one person that could spend a couple of hours or an hour or a day or whatever, or at least know about this issue and maybe point us in the right direction, maybe the project that we're working on could help you in your location. Maybe your project could help us. 
one of the things I have been telling people now is we reach out beyond Nevada for volunteers and project participation. Nevada, Southern, Northern gets a lot, but Southern Nevada, if you look at the LVCVA website, I should put a link to that in the show notes too. Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority can, keeps track of, uh, I think they call it the research, research tab, numbers on city of origin, visitor volume, event participation, and so on. So we know from their website that we, the Southern Nevada, Greater Vegas area, probably mostly the Strip, but not necessarily, have approximately 40 million visitors each year at present rate. Current course and speed, 40 million. So if we start working on open source projects that are aimed at making our smart city smarter, which is our tagline, our projects may, if all goes to plan, be exposed to, be used by, be experienced by up to 40 million people each year. Will it be 40 million? Probably not. But it will be more than zero. Our projects are open transit to try to make our public transit system easier because guess what? People visit here. I've heard it from their own lips how horrible getting around this city is. It's true. If you're from uh, a, a place with proper public transportation, Oregon, Washington, and arguably the New York area, the tri-state area, places have good public transportation. Las Vegas is not one of them yet. Can we make it better? Maybe. Can what we learn here be applied to other places? Probably. Can our open transit project benefit from contribution of time and energy and and creative work from people outside of the Vegas area? Absolutely. Can you take what you learn and bring it to your city? Yes. Hmm, sounds good. Uh, our other projects are MyMuni, which is um, an information sharing uh, sort of a platform idea for a community or municipality. It used to be called My Vegas. That was the only use of Vegas in any of our projects um, as far as naming, right? So My, my Vegas becomes My Muni. The Welcome Project is uh, a user interface for a smart city for visitors. So My Muni is a user interface for people in a smart city, right? The Smart Social Project is it would underlie those. That's the, the real information sharing component. So calendaring and contacts and public, me, public uh, I'm sorry, public data feeds for local blogs and news sources and so on. Certainly podcasts like this. Uh, there should be a way to figure out who's publishing what locally about local things. Smart social, especially if you don't like LinkedIn. You know I don't like LinkedIn. So uh, V local. Everybody talks about being a Vegas local. What about being a virtual local? Do I have to be a Vegas local? When I come to town, I kind of feel like a local. I'm part of your economy. What if you're a part of my economy when you're... Um, when you're back home, VLocal, inspired by Estonia and their e-resident program. We certainly need some people familiar with cybersecurity and privacy-aware identity to contribute to that project. And it's a project that is not Vegas-centric. Although I do have to say, uh, we are certainly well aware of how loyalty programs work and the cards that are inserted into machines and presented at various places to get discounts and so on. So, we have an infrastructure project that may help people. We have um, our open data capture platform, which is aimed at putting more data into our open data data sets. So none of our projects are particularly Vegas-centric at this time. Plenty of room for a collaboration. So the idea is to innovate locally, but collaborate globally. Project Act. Autonomous cohort transformation. Autonomous cohort tessellation. So what do we do next? So uh, project-act on GitHub, nothing there right, th right now. I'm just kind of recreated the, the organization on GitHub, put up a top-level readme and, and a code of conduct and all the usual stuff. The dope and fof, some example templates, they're, they're not difficult to get started, but they're XML and RDF together are uh, greater than the sum, no, what is it? Greater than the sum of the parts, yeah. It's a lot of stuff, a lot of options, the, the Dublin Core and RDF and RDFS namespaces and FOF and DOPE and who knows what else. So we can even define our own namespace. Who knows? But the fact is these exist. So we can create some examples. We can start publishing on GitHub or on our homepage. Um, Project-act.info will spring to life in coming days. Uh, mostly the goal there is to be a hub of information, hence the TLD, 
top level domain, not to be the owner, a starting point, but not the arbiter of collaboration. So really, project-act.org should never exist. Project-act.info is a resource. We'll try to get some tools running to do some spidering and some analysis, but really, dope files can be small. We're talking a couple of kilobytes. We're talking uh, text, short short descriptions, you know, paragraph here, a name and a URL there, a bunch of tags. For a small project, there's probably more tags than than uh, text, uh, the parts that are in the tags. So those parts are not tricky. They're not too difficult. Spider code should be pretty straightforward. There, there are tons of robot pieces of code out there. There's a RDF being what it is. There's plenty of code out there that does exactly what I've already described. In fact, Apache Foundation, GNOME Project, um, there are a few others. If you search for DOPE, D-O-A-P, you'll find an endless supply of projects out in the real world, the real world, that are using these components. There is nothing new about what we're talking about, yet they work which is nice. So we'll use open standards on an open web to start connecting people. We will use new technologies, like I mentioned, if we can use some AI to match open issues with people that want to contribute to projects that are outside of their community, great. The time is money. Uh, if you are a volunteer with time on your hands, do you, and you have you know the, the skills and wherewithal, and it doesn't have to be code. You know, hey, I'm working on a new cookie recipe for our community cookie thing. You know, do you have knowledge of cookies? Great. I'd love to contribute to that project. Use uh, sour cream. Done. <laughs> so if, if, if volunteer time can be connected with issue need, with a gap that can be filled, so the gap needs to be defined, mostly, uh, unless somebody has even more time to help with that. But if we can connect people with time to volunteer to issues gaps, uh, action required items that match what they are able to contribute using the tools of the day rather than just handing over a million open issues with some tags and hoping for the best, then perhaps we will get more successful outcomes. People will feel that they can do work rather than trying to do work. So connect people who are already civic volunteers. Uh, Hacktoberfest, I think, was is an interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea for what it is intended to be. I, thinking back now, do not believe it was the best way to attempt to connect soon-to-be former brigades. Uh, I have a feeling that many people have a similar view that like I'm already trying to do things that I don't have enough people for. I can't go searching for other projects, and we should try to fix that. We can also still invite people who are civic hacking curious to join in, similar to Hacktoberfest but we have to get there first. So engaging with people who are understaffed, so to speak, in their own projects, saying, hey, if you'd be willing to contribute to my project, perhaps I could contribute to yours. Or in the uh, classic fake description of how money was invented, it was invented to pay taxes, not for bartering. But there's always the notion of like, well, if I give you two pencils for your eraser, but you don't have an eraser, you need to go get an eraser from the person with two ballpoint pens and they'll give you, you know, this. So you have this whole triangular trade or et cetera, et cetera. So if we can begin to uh, enable that using uh, old and new ways in a bottom up collaboration management infrastructure, sort of a flat hierarchy. No, no hierarchy. Don't even look up holacracy. I'm not even going to go there. But uh, my, I will posit today that Project Act could be a thing, or if not a thing, the beginning of a thing. Uh, we can learn along the way, and perhaps version two, by some other name even, will help to make the most of civic volunteer time to enable positive outcomes. Taking advantage of all of the ethos and upsides to open source software and open source project, creative commons project, development, deployment, sharing, attribution. And ideally, as people contribute to projects in their localities and they are shared amongst others, the people that do spend the time, contribute their time, will receive some benefit, financial, uh, karmic, perhaps a job, perhaps a patent, who knows? A lot of things are possible if we can push that boulder up the hill. 
you're a fan of Sisyphus, as I have to be, then you know what I mean. So that is Project ACT. That is some of how we got here. Today we have like one regular volunteer when he's not creating audio programs and doing various other things. To give you some idea, I have a CERT, the Community Emergency Response Team, a a FEMA organization of volunteers, a CERT exercise on Saturday. So that throws off some of my volunteer time away from Innovate for Vegas or Project ACT focus, but that's what hours are for. Uh, But Project ACT, uh, we're doing some projects here for our local economy. Some of the tools that we're developing will fit nicely into that as they come online. It would be wonderful if I could find two or three other people somewhere in the country who are civic volunteers themselves, who may be frustrated with the state of affairs with the top-down central planning infrastructure as it was, who might be interested in some smarter smart city ideas and innovation and implementation. Maybe 40 million people will see the results of that effort. And maybe people around those contributors will as well. So that's where I'll leave it. Today is still Thursday for about 10 more minutes. Thursday, November 2nd. Uh, Thank you for listening as always. Thank you for your consideration. And if you would like to be supportive of Innovate for Vegas, don't forget we're a 501c3 public charity. Our website should definitely be linked from wherever you're reading this. Innovateforvegas.org. Spelled out, no dashes, dots, except for that dot dot org. Innovate for Vegas, one word. F-O-R, innovateforvegas.org. There's a donate button. You would donate to Code for Vegas for the time until the IRS and the paperwork gets sorted. It takes forever, and if you're a volunteer, it takes even longer. But there you go. Don't forget, you can also contribute your time to our projects. You can participate. You can tell a friend to do the same. Join a hackathon now and then, and we'll go from there. Let's make our smart city smarter with local innovation by local innovators. But you don't have to be local in Las Vegas. You can be anywhere. Everybody is a Vegas local if they try hard enough. Thank you very much. Until next week.